0: Good morning everyone, welcome. My name is Olivia. I am the adult discipleship pastor here at the church and I have a question for you. Did you have a good Christmas? Did you get exactly what you wanted for Christmas? Did anybody get a puppy here? Any puppies? Anyone? Oh, good for you. Did anybody get a new car? No, no? Okay, all right Trina, that's awesome. You know, I got some cool stuff, but I also got socks, and I was really excited about them. You know you're a true adult when socks excite you on Christmas. (laughs) Did anybody return something already, too, that they got for Christmas? It's okay, No shame. Let me see it. I did. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm with you, too. It's like the day after Christmas should be another Thing like Black Friday, but like the opposite of Black Friday or people return stuff like White Friday. I don't know, something <laughs> like that. But my Christmas went really well. I spent time with family. I got to go spend time with my in-laws as well. So I spent time at the Babinski household, the Manning household. We had a blast. We played games, did white elephant gift exchange and um, had Christmas dinner. But I've been doing the plant-based diet that I've been hearing people rave about. And there is something so wrong about eating broccoli for Christmas dinner. (laughs) Now I realize why people wait until after the holidays to change their diet. I was like, Merry Christmas. (laughs) I'm sad, broccoli. Um, But my favorite part of Christmas, with all family and everything, but my favorite part was being here. Among many of you, celebrating Jesus as Lord, the real reason for the season. And if you uh, recall, Pastor Mike and Tisa read us the full Christmas story, and it was so powerful. Um, It was awesome, and the whole service was incredible. And in the Christmas story, Jesus is born as King but he's also born into chaos. Um, There are no Christmas songs about what happens after uh, the holy and silent night because they were fleeing for their lives. Um, King Herod uh, heard that there was a new king on the streets named Jesus, and he was threatened by that, which is kind of silly when you think about it, threatened by a baby. But he was, and then he wanted to kill Jesus. So Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were fleeing, running for their lives, and they went to different spaces um, from Bethlehem to Egypt to Judea, and then to Galilee where Jesus grew up. Um, this time was chaotic, it was hard, it was painful, um, and Jesus knows what it's like to experience hardship, not only when in, in his ministry and on the cross when he was betrayed, um, but from the very beginning. He knew what it meant to enter into chaos, enter into hardship, and to experience pain. So he understands our pain in every level. Um, and scripture says that just by us following Jesus alone, life is going to be challenging. Because when we commit ourselves to Christ, the enemy does not like that. Because we are a threat to the kingdom of darkness when we are on God's side. So this morning, as we are on the brink of a new year, I want us to enter into 2020 feeling encouraged and empowered to walk with God and to whether whatever challenges come, From this life of following Jesus. And Jesus says some powerful words in Matthew chapter 5. You want to read it with me? It'll be on the screen as well. Starting in verse 10, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus, the man who was born into persecution, turns around in his adult life and says these words. He says, when you're persecuted, you are blessed, and he's speaking from the perspective of the kingdom of God. This is how God views it. This isn't typically how we would view it. It's like, oh, persecution doesn't seem very blessed, but that's what Jesus says. Um, and he, you find this in the Beatitudes, which is the passage in Matthew 5, um, and I'd encourage you to read more about that because Jesus says, blessed are all these different areas in our life," so that he flips it upside down, what we think it means to be blessed. But we're going to focus today on verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Following Jesus isn't always easy. And I know that the TV preachers like to say, when you give your life to God, everything will be good. But that's not true. Um, Sometimes things get harder when we follow God. We see that in scripture. Um, We see all the people that have given their lives to God or turned to Jesus. Life gets hard and there's challenges and there's persecution. We see that with Moses and Abraham and Isaiah and Peter and James and the list goes on and on and on. So Jesus says that in this world, we will have trouble, but to take heart because he has overcome the world. Amen? And that is a promise that we can stand on and cling to. And when Jesus continues to paint the picture of what it looks like to follow him, he says some intense stuff. Let's read it in Matthew 16, where he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is saying it's all or nothing. When we find our life in him alone, we are no longer living as though we are the gods of our own lives when Jesus is our savior. These words, this passage set a foundation of faith for me in my life. At age 18, I would meditate on this passage again and again and again until it got deep within me, and it transformed me to the point where I'm like, my life is a living sacrifice for God. And I start praying big, crazy prayers like, God, whatever you want me to do, my life is yours. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, you are all my life is about. And I was just still am, on fire for God. Um, And as I would read scripture and see that hardship comes as well when we say, God, here I am, send me. Um, When I realize that, I'm like, I'm ready. Let's bring it, God. Like any opposition, any persecution that comes, I'm ready because I know that you are with me. So you see, we're going to explore today the idea that experiencing persecution is part of being a Christian. They are a package deal, two for one, right there. And all over the world, our brothers and sisters in Christ are facing persecution because of their faith in Jesus. The organization called Open Doors defines persecution as this, any hostility someone faces due to their identification with Jesus. Christians all over the world are being beaten, imprisoned, killed, legally penalized, because it's illegal to be a Christian in some areas, and attacked because of their faith. Um, this website reports that in 2018 alone, over 245 million Christians were living in places where they experienced high levels of persecution. Over 4,000 Christians were killed for their faith in 2018, and almost 2,000 churches and other Christian buildings were attacked, and over 3,000 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. This is craziness. This is happening every single day all over the world. And these are only the things that have been reported. So there's probably more that have gone unreported. Believers are putting everything on the line to follow Jesus. Their homes, their families, their security, their belongings, everything. And it is so heartbreaking, but it's so inspiring as well. And many believers don't have the privilege to gather publicly in spaces like this, like we're doing today. And sometimes I take it for granted. I come in here, you know, high-five a few of you. I'm excited to be here, excited to be in the space. But I'm like, I forget. This isn't like most of the world. A lot of churches, they meet in houses or underground or in spaces where there's a lot of risk to even identify with the body of believers. Um, To even call yourself a Christian, that is largely risky. And the most dangerous areas to be a Christian in 2019 are North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Sudan, and Pakistan. And the two biggest reasons that persecution happens in areas is because um, religious extremist groups that want to wipe out um, any religion that isn't theirs and be the dominant religion in the area, or it's because of governments suppressing religious freedom. And as Pastor Nate spoke about, Indonesia is a place that we support as a church. And these church planters experience persecution as well. Many of them uh, have to put their, their families on the line as well as they're spreading the gospel. They're beaten, cast out of their communities, and run the risk of being imprisoned. But we love supporting them because we believe in what they're doing. And we believe that God is working through them. So it's amazing. Fifth Sunday is like today where we get to say, yes, I believe in you. We're supporting you. We're standing with you as you are persecuted and spreading the gospel. So for Christians all over the world, they lose everything for following Jesus. And yet they are spreading the gospel regardless of the risk. And they believe that nothing is greater in this life Than following Jesus. And they see that people can take everything away from them, but they can't take away their relationship with God and the salvation that comes from him. And it's so easy, I know, for myself to take it for granted, being in a place where I'm free to talk about Jesus, I'm free to follow him, um, and there's not much risk involved here. Um, Some would argue that in our current political climate that Christians are being somewhat persecuted because Christians are being attacked or criticized because of their faith. And that is true, but it's not the same level of intensity as it is overseas. In some ways, we benefit from being Christians in our society. People see Christians as trustworthy and good people and praise us for that, or they're just indifferent and they're like, oh, you're a Christian, I'm a vegetarian, whatever, like you do you, and it's irrelevant. Um, but we're not threatened for our faith here, and God gives us such freedom, and it's a gift. Now I know there's two camps of people here today, some that have experienced levels of persecution and others that have not, and maybe you're even a new Christian, and you're like, I didn't know this was a part of following Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but for those of you who are being persecuted. I know there's people in this room that have been disowned from their families and friends when they have decided to become a Christian, or there are people that were marginalized for their faith, or we have refugees here in our church that had to flee their home because of religious persecution and relocate in Spokane. And I know there's also people that have used to be in cults and then lost everything when they left and realized that Jesus is the truth. Those experiences are real and painful. Um, And that is considered persecution as well. So let me encourage you, take heart, keep moving forward. The passage says that blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. You have great reward in heaven. And when we share in the sufferings of Jesus, we are united with him more deeply when we walk in hardship with God. And there is so much beauty and joy in that. And as it says in James chapter 1, it says, "...consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything." There is so much beauty and joy in walking with God in hardship, and he will sustain you every step of the way. So persevere, keep going, God is with you. Amen? So when I think about the times I've experienced persecution for my faith, it is super limited, like this much. Um, The most was in high school, which, believe it or not, was not a year ago. It was eight years ago. I know I look young but it was a while ago, and people thought I was a Jesus freak. They thought I was a weirdo, and I was like a surface-level Christian, so if I was how I am now, where I'm like Jesus all day every day, they would think I'm like beyond weirdo. Um, people would look at me like, really? You're a Christian? Like, are you for real? You go to church? Your dad's a pastor? What? Are you like a nun or something? <laughs> <laughs> I, people didn't get it. They didn't think I was really, wanted to poke me. Just kidding, they didn't poke me. Um, in all seriousness, the real challenges came when I had to stand up for my faith my values in high school. I wanted so badly just to go with the flow, be with the cool kids, be in the crowd. I was a cheerleader. I just wanted to blend in. But there were times where I had to stand up for my faith and my values and do what was right. And uh, there was a situation, I won't go into details, but when I stood up for my faith, people really didn't like it. Um, they would push me away. They gave me a lot of hate. And I even was cyberbullied bullied online. Uh, anonymous people were threatening me. Because of standing up for my faith. So I realized what it was like to follow God at a young age when no one else around me was. And to experience that pain and tension of, okay, I'm a Jesus follower, so I need to act like one in this space. And I wasn't running for my life like other Christians do overseas. But I did experience that pain of being the only Christian in an area where people were against it. So what about you? What about those of you in the room who haven't experienced persecution? That was my experience uh, in high school, and not much since then, so I'm right there with you. So if you haven't experienced persecution, why not? Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Persecution is packaged along with living righteously, living in line with God. I know it's in part due to where we live in America, but there, is, we, there needs, needs to be some sort of some tension and friction with following Jesus in the in space and standing up for what's right and being acting righteously. And maybe you're playing it safe because you're surrounded by Christians, people that think like you, act like you, talk like you. I know I'm in that space too. I'm trying to get outside of my Christian bubble where I can engage with people and and befriend them, people from all walks of life that are different than me, and then proclaim Christ as Lord in those spaces. God calls us to live righteously wherever we're at, whether that's at work or at school with our families and our communities and our neighborhoods. God calls us to live righteously. And I know the word righteous can sound really big, like only nuns and priests can be righteous, but it's actually really simple. Uh, It means doing what is right in God's eyes, having strong character and convictions that honor God. That's what it means to be righteous. We all have that inside of us to do that. Um, And our righteousness should be so obvious that we experience some pushback from the world. And I don't mean like self-righteousness. That's a totally different thing. That's when it's about... Me, 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 looking good, impressing people, doing things the way that I want to do it. And it's not about God's glory. It's about your glory. That's not the kind I'm talking about. That's when people are standing on wherever with signs that say God hates certain groups of people. That is not righteousness. What it means to be God righteous is to be full of love and grace and truth, and to hold the precious gift of salvation and present it to other people um, with love. And when we do that, God is honored, and he is glorified. And it's about him, not us, and people turn to him when we do that. We want people to see Jesus inside of us. That's my prayer all the time. God, when people see me, I want them to see you inside of me. And then glorify you. And Jesus sums it up perfectly by saying in Matthew 5, 16, he said, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine. Isn't there a song that says something about letting your light shine? Does anyone know what it is? Oh, yeah. I think it's this little light of mine. I'm John, sing with me. This little life. A hand. That was awesome. You are beautiful singers. That was my audition for well uh worship team, by the way. Cameron, I expect a call next week. <clears throat> Let your light shine. Do good to others. Honor God with your life. Do the right thing. Be God righteous instead of self-righteous. And I want to tell you a story about someone. That was God-righteous, trying his best to do the right thing. Um, his name is Brandon. I am married to him now. Um, but a couple of weeks before we got married, he quit his job. Right? I was like, ooh. <laughs> Unemployed fiance. Mm. Um, but he did this because being at his job, he had a hard time being a Christian there. Um, he knew that God was calling him to be a man of honesty, integrity, dignity, but his boss was telling him to be the exact opposite. Um, it was fully commission-based, so he really, he needed to perform to get the sales, and his boss was like, you need to lie, you need to cut corners, you need to pressure people, you need to do all these things, and Brandon was so uncomfortable with that, he like, I don't know if I can do that. Um, and he had a rough time. And towards the end it was a very short period he did this job as well, but towards the end he starts just being honest with people about, you know, the product and the how it was too expensive and he was really, he was losing sales. <laughs> <laughs> He was losing sales. He um, was doing really bad. So he's like, I think I need to quit. I can't do this. So he walked into his boss's office and you got to have one of those like movie moments, the I quit moments where you walk out standing a little taller, but then having to tell his bride-to-be that he quit his job. But it's okay because we still got married and he did the right thing because his faith was of greater value to him than money. Uh, We didn't know what that meant for our future. I was pretty nervous. Uh, I worked part-time at the church at that time. We had bills to pay, come on. And I was like, okay, but I know that we did the right thing because this is what God would want, and he's going to be faithful to that. And he was. He blessed Brandon with a job that he still has to this day where he gets to treat customers well, and his customers love him, and he loves the work that he does as a landscaper. And that business shut down shortly after, so I was glad he got out of there when he did. Um, (laughs) God presents us with so many opportunities to do what is right, to act righteously, and God is faithful. Perhaps in your life, you're feeling pressure to cut corners as well, maybe at work with different... uh, projects or money accounts, or maybe you're a student and you're feeling tempted to cheat on tests or projects like others do. Or if you're married, maybe you're feeling temptation to cheat on your spouse or to look at things online you know you shouldn't be looking at. God calls us to live righteously, both when people are looking and when you're alone. And when God sees us doing this, he is deeply pleased with us all. And when we stand up for what is right, when we do what is right, we will face some opposition and even persecution. For my husband, to do the right thing costs him his job. What if doing the right thing costs you your job as well, or a friendship, or a change in your reputation? What sacrifices have you made to follow Christ righteously? Where is your light shining for Christ? Where have you taken up your cross, denied yourself and followed him? When was the last time you prayed a prayer of surrender that says, God, not my will be done, but your will. Everything is for you, God. My whole life, everything I surrender to you. When have you prayed bold prayers, risky prayers, dangerous prayers, where you ask God, I'm here. Have with me what you will. Let me encourage you that 2020 can be such an exciting year for you as you continue to surrender to God and say yes to him, to get him to know him more deeply and get to know his word and continue to live for him sacrificially and righteously and embrace the persecution that will come from living righteously. So don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Jesus because as Philippians says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that. Jesus Christ is Lord. It is not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. So let's make it known, everyone that we are followers of Jesus. Be loud and be proud. Shout it from the rooftops. Tell your friends. Tell everybody. Is anybody here this morning? Invite people to church with you. Talk about Jesus. Tell his story to others. Tell the people about Jesus, what he means to you, how he saved you, how he loves you. Spread the gospel just like our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. Believe in the power of prayer and the power of miracles. Don't underestimate the power of God. Perhaps we aren't experiencing persecution for our faith because we aren't living any different than those around us, any different than people in the world. Maybe we're not experiencing pushback for being Christians because people don't know that we're Christians. Maybe we're blending in a little too well with everyone around us and not letting our light shine for Jesus with grace and love. I want to encourage you as you step into this new year, live boldly, live righteously, be bold for Jesus. Don't be afraid to stand out. Don't be afraid of persecution because we have nothing to be afraid of. We have God with us. And he says, if he is for us, Who can be against us? And we live in a nation where we are free to follow Jesus. We are free to gather. We are free to speak his name. What are we going to do with that freedom every day of our lives? And how are we going to continue to live righteously for Jesus in this new year? How are you going to let your light shine for Jesus? What is God asking of you today? Have courage and boldness to follow his voice. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for the, the privilege to follow you in this nation, the freedom um, to speak your name, to be a Christian. And God, help us not take that for granted. Um, if, you, if you resonate with this, pray with me. I, God, want to follow you with a boldness, with a righteousness, whatever that looks like in my life, God. Make it known to me. Be a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. God, I repent for all the ways that I haven't acknowledged you as Lord, all the ways I haven't lived for you in the way that I know you're calling me to. God, I know you're about fresh starts and I know we have a new year coming. So God, I invite you into my life, into my heart. I invite you to empower me by your Holy Spirit so I can honor you and let my light shine. God, help me not be afraid of what will come, not be afraid of those around me or, or the pushback or opposition that will come, God. All I care about is you, honoring you and living for you. God, give me strength and courage today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Thank you so much for being here this morning. We want to invite you back next week. We are starting a brand new series called First Things First. It's going to be awesome. Invite a friend. And if you are new to the church, I would love to meet you. Me and Jacob will be under this screen under here for First Connect. And then we have a wonderful prayer team that will be over here. Um, Blessings to you. Let your light shine. See you next time.